0: This Merrill Hodge edition of the Sports gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. Sports are back, and MyBookie is now offering a 100% deposit bonus when you use the promo code SGP. Plus, deposit this week and get a free $10 NBA future bet. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you by the leaders in daily fantasy, DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code SGP to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code SGP to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Finally, we're brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay head providers and they make it super easy to start your own sportsbook. Plus, Ace is offering up six weeks free over at slash SGP. That's slash SGP. G P.
1: Hi, this is Merrill Hodge and you're listening to S G P N. Let it ride, baby.
0: Ooh! Welcome, everyone, to the sports gambling podcast. I'm Sean stacking the Money Green with my partner in picks Ryan, Real Money Kramer. What's happening, Kramer Dog?
2: Football. We're just gonna keep doing the football. Football's
0: football is here. Football. Football is here. Knock on wood. And uh, what better way to have a football is back podcast as we ease back into football. Than to, then to interview Merrill Hodge, a true football guy. We're going to be getting to that in a second. But before we do welcome on third man, the booth, AKA pick Dundee, AKA Colby Dan, AKA the Base. What's
3: up guys. Merrill Hodge, 10th round draft pick out of Idaho state representing the big sky I, conference. And
2: you know, my favorite part is reading through the interview prep stuff. When Colby throws in the random <laughs> nugget, the random college <laughs> nugget Love the Vandals, the right? The Vandals? Lo- no, 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 Vandals oh. is Idaho. Oh, Idaho I'm State sorry. is the Bengals. The Bangles. Yeah. Oh, that's very confusing. The yes. Vandals and the Bangels. Like Bangle Tigers?
3: And I believe Boise State. Yeah, Bangle Tigers. Like Boise State was in that conference back mm. when when Merrill was at Idaho State.
2: uh oh, it was a different time back it then. It was a different that was, time. That was pre-CTE. <laughs> Pre-CTE,
3: Pre-CTE, no CTE, CTE here. Yeah,
2: no CTE. As, here. as
3: we'll find out later.
2: Yeah, we hit on uh we hit
0: on everything with Merrill got a lot to talk about and a breakdown coming up in the interview but before we get to that shout out to my presenting sponsor of the podcast they're back live wagering is going on nba is back if you're listening to this podcast nba is happening get those uh, nba live bets in and of course use that promo code SGP 100% deposit bonus and that $10 free nba future bet maybe toss it on the Sixers to win it all. There's no, no road games. What could
2: go wrong? When does that expire? Yeah. Can you, can you get it? Like I, you, It just happens, huh? Have you had, have yeah.
0: You, I don't know. You have to check, check the expiration okay. date on that. I'll but Read the fine print, my yeah. Ag, promo code SGP. I, I mean, I got mine in already,
3: well, t- you know, win some money over there and then go to magic city. That strip club in, in Atlanta, <laughs> try their beautiful Buffalo wings. Only go for the food.
0: Well, it's been, it's, it's pretty hilarious. So, <laughs> The Lou Williams thing happened. He said he was just going there to pick up food. Everyone instantly made fun of Lou Williams. I think we did as well in our NBA is back gambling preview, which make sure you check that out. Uh, all are like early, uh, you know, for opening night, second night, opening weekend, basically picks even throw out a, a draft Kings DFS lineup. But uh, at now ever, there's a bunch of people defending the food and there's a Johnny Manziel said the best chicken wings he's ever had in his life was for magic city. And there's like different people like
3: doing. He's really credits. credible. He's really credible. You know what I mean? Well,
0: when it comes like, to eating at strip clubs, I think that is one of Johnny Manziel's wheelhouses.
2: Yeah. He's the Anthony Bourdain of strip club food reviews. And
0: I, I was I was actually talking to my wife randomly about a this bit of a last rebel. night, and I go, "They're sharing photos of the food, and it actually looks really good." And she's just looking at me like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And she what? goes, "How would you know if wings are good I mean, just by the photo?" I'm like. As a wing connoisseur, <laughs> you don't necessarily know if they're good, but I can eyeball no. a chicken wing and I have a pretty good idea whether it sucks or not. And the same way with pizza, you can see a photo of a pizza and no. you know, whether you definitely know if it sucks. There's, Sean.
2: I, am I, I right? get it. you come for the wings, you stay for the thighs.
0: <laughs> Lou Williams, the first uh, guy at Magic City, yeah. not a breast man. Yeah, Two, <laughs> that, what white meat? Get that shit out of here. Give me the dark meat. Just Let's go. The dark
2: thighs thick, thick and legs. Thighs. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, kudos uh, again. We've been throwing this out there, but how the NBA hasn't pivoted to allow a strip club into the, the bubble? the strip club in yeah. the bubble. Yeah, yeah. It's That's just just whoa. make it happen.
0: It's just, <laughs> just good science. It just makes sense. I'm really proud of that joke.
2: That was a good joke. Just thought of it, it looks, right now. It That's their new slogan, <laughs> Magic City. Come for the wings, stay for the thighs.
1: <laughs>
0: that <laughs> is pretty catchy, Kramer. <laughs> Before we get to uh, Merrill Hodge, don't we didn't get we didn't ask if he was a breast guy, a thigh guy. All I know, true football guy, and uh, some great football chat. Before we get to that, shout out to Draft Kings. Draft Kings, you can become a Draft King. We just put out our How to Win the Millionaire Maker podcast, tons of fun tips there with uh, Adam Levitan of Established the Run. Check that out. But if you're hearing this now, still a chance to get in over at DraftKings.com. Use that promo code SGP to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs with your first deposit. Promo code SGP to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 report, report Deposit required, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. But basically, Millionaire Maker for yep. the NBA. We give out lineups for the Millionaire Maker NBA contest in our uh NBA is back podcast. Which,
2: if you're listening to this, you're probably hearing. You probably already have seen the tweet on Twitter about how Ryan Real Money Kramer has taken down the million in the Thursday night contest. <laughs> but there is another Friday night. Yes. Millionaire maker. I I I have we ever seen back-to-back millionaire back makers? Back to back Two millionaire nights, makers.
0: Two million dollars. And uh while we're talking basketball, perfect time to announce. We have a new Hold on.
2: breaking news, please.
0: Breaking news. Ooh. We have a new NBA gambling podcast feed, exclusive home to uh NBA gambling podcast <laughs> content. Ryan Rich Rat, Baby McKee is gonna be doing a daily. NBA podcast from the bubble. Check that out. Just throw in NBA gambling podcast in iTunes, Spotify, and subscribe to that rate review. I think you could be the, uh, maybe one of the early Raiders and reviewers, and we'll throw this out already. The best early review will win a uh, SGP hoodie. That's up for grabs. And if that wasn't enough, the soccer. (laughs) The soccer gambling podcast, our boy, Billy Bahate from across the pond is launching his own soccer gambling podcast feed. And again, just open up iTunes, Spotify, throw in soccer gambling. You can't
2: miss it. La Liga. La Liga, but Das Bundesliga, EPL, CPL. Oh, wait, Colby, do you want the La Liga show? Because we haven't greenlit that one yet. We're only going with the EPL, the Champions League, and I couldn't Das Bundesliga, Colby. Here's the exciting news Champions League starts less than a week from when you're listening to this podcast, and the Soccer Gambling Podcast is the only place to get Billy's Europa League preview. Europa League picks, Champions League preview, Champions League picks. And oh by the God. way, unlike these American sports like football and basketball that take these long off-seasons, soccer right back at it. The EPL starting again in September. There you go, You're get excited, your kicks
3: Colby. and get your picks.
2: Oh, I, Oh wow. Oh wow, Kicks and picks. <laughs> I love it. What have you been doing, Colby? Uh,
0: I think it's uh I think it's Merrill Hodge's uh inspirational chat no. with Colby
2: which we'll get to. Well, that's the last thing we should make sure we remind people. Yes. Check breaking out. down. Uh, I, I don't even know where we are at this point. I've been slowly getting them out, but uh, we're up to Oregon. I think dropped that's last out. night.
3: Yeah, but there's the, there's, there's other, the next yeah.
2: one that will drop is Oregon state. Colby I think you've wrapped up all the division one power five teams yeah uh tomorrow I'll be recording Air Force and getting out there and, and yeah so next up group of five there we go let's do it as I've uh I've touted uh, at some point we will return to two days I but, can't wait uh yeah you got to get to the finish line now you heard what he, do you want to be common or do you want to be uncommon Merrill,
0: champions locker room Colby not losers Meryl gave
3: me that pep talk I'm ready to go I'm ready to uh, all I mean, right come on let's do this Let's
0: get to it now. Joining us on the line, a former Steelers running back, now author, motivational speaker, NFL analyst, he does it all, Merrill Hodge. Merrill, appreciate you calling in.
1: My pleasure, guys. Good to be with you.
0: Yeah, and it's it's good to talk to a fellow a football guy. I, it looks like training camp underway. How excited are you for the season to get started here?
1: Yeah, I'm this uh, I'm optimistic. So I a, I like the energy that comes with um, I don't know. Listen, I think most people are kind of like this. You, there's that moment of your stuff. I'm so used to it. It's commonplace. I'm ready for it. And then, and then I start thinking, well, listen, the last five or six months, everything keeps shifts day to day. So I'm like, I can't get too excited that, <laughs> that, um, that a bump in, in the road, I'm sure there's going to be some bumps in the road, but let's hope that um, with the time they had and they have a variety of contingency plans. That uh, And, you know, the uh, the NFL does a, a really good job of being on top of these type of things and in front of them and prepared for them. So as best you can with, you know, uh, such a new environment and an uncertain one. But, you know, talking to players and I'm close with the Steelers and stuff they're doing, they, uh, they're ready to move forward. So um, let's hope that uh, we get to see uh, opening day September 10th.
0: Yeah, knock on wood. Everything uh, everything goes ahead as planned, and everyone stays safe out there. Talking about the Steelers, like you said, I, I watch a bunch of your uh, your tape videos where you're grinding some tape there, breaking down uh, all the Steelers players. I know you were pretty excited when they drafted a Chase Claypool. What can the what can the Steelers expect to see out of Chase this
1: season? Well, listen, I think it's going to be a challenging time for all rookies. Um, and I'm just going to use you know my own experience, um, from many camps that I went to, you're learning. I mean, every the environment is completely different. The professional environment is a detailed environment. What people don't really ever understand the field is even different and people don't understand that because people go, Oh yes, it's the same. I go, no, actually it's not. I mean, dimensions. Yes. But when you look at the hash marks, the game changes in a college, the hash marks are much wider and they really the college game they played on, they play on the perimeter in the national football league with those hash marks being narrow, the game is played in the middle. Um, and my guy is as good as your guy. Where are in college. My, I'm usually better. Oftentimes, you know, in a lot of these, the big school cases, they're better than everybody, you know, nine out of 10, nine out of 11, 12 times. We're just better. We're going to show up and win. That's not how it is in the national football league. That's like, you know, having a, a detail in your craft and your profession is so important, and the better that skill set is, will help you transition. So, you know, they've had to do everything virtually. Now, this is really probably the people or players that have high IQs and have real intellect about the game will have the advantage. Um, but the disadvantage is not being able to actually run it and execute it um, and make those mistakes through mini camps so that you can kind of get rid of a lot of the mistakes before you get to training camp are going to be a part of it. So Claypool, the thing I like to get into the point that I think gives him an advantage to play and be a contributor is when you study him in college, he played everywhere. He played in the slot he played strong. He played X, he played Z, he played strong and strong side of the formation, weak side of the formation. he's a, he's a really good detailed route runner. He has a nice subtleties to his route running and why that's important, which is vital for anybody to have those things. But a guy who has speed, oftentimes in college is like, I'm so fast. I'm just going to run by. Yeah. yeah you don't so they don't need a good route. Use, yeah. And so they don't really harness or work on those things, which he has. And I know a little more about him personally than most. Uh, my nephew, was, uh, went to Notre Dame, was at the same class as Claypool. So he played at Notre Dame for a couple of years with Claypool. And so I know a lot about him as a character person, like the kind of worker he is. And, you know, he's a good guy. He's a good kid. So, and he's a worker, he's a worker and he's willing to do things. And he, you know, that's important. I know that's just so important in having that combination. So he has, he has that, uh, combination, which is helpful. So, um, Will there be a, it going to be a harder learning curve for all these guys. Absolutely. Cause they just didn't get to actually do stuff for several weeks and have a good feel. Um, now camp is going to be a little longer, so they'll surely get a little more opportunity there. But um, I think with his IQ and his details, I just mentioned give him an advantage to contribute and this not hurt him as much as it may hurt somebody else. Who's not as detailed. Uh, maybe they haven't been that, Cerebrally, um, you know, focused on the game, and that's when you get trouble in the National Football League because it is a it is a smart man's game. And yeah, and you, you would, for one second. You would think a you kid from uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you would just think a kid from Notre Dame in a season where intellect is is probably valued more than most seasons. A kid from Notre Dame kind of has a has a head start on the, on the rest of the competition there. Talking Steelers, disappointing season last year. Although they still got to eight and eight, I mean Big Ben going down certainly made things tougher on the offense. He's getting up there in age. I mean, certainly not an old man, but by NFL standards, getting up there. What and he's coming off an injury. What can we expect out of Roethlisberger this season?
1: Well, you know, he and I went on a a wolf bear hunt in Idaho around April. uh, Yeah, March this year, and um. Yeah, we were actually talking on the plane ride home. I mean, because listen, when we were there, we were we were going from you know sixty five hundred feet to eleven thousand feet. So you got to be in shape to do those kind of those kind of hunts. Number one, um, and he, and he he blew through those mountains, so he's in he's in great shape. Um, but something that I was talking to him about that you no, know, you don't wish would ever happen. You wish you could do this. I never redshirted in college. I played all four years. I went right to the n f l started and then I played another eight and i'm what i 'm getting at is if you could just get a break like a year off just to really recover i' go actually things when players have done that where they've been hurt and they've had to miss a year, it has given them a, really a chance to physically recover and be refreshed, and then the back end or the back nine they have more gas in the tank. And as much as this, he didn't want the injury injury. Nobody wanted the injury. I mean, yes, he has, he had to have the surgery aspect, which he believes, you know, even though it's the no quarterbacks ever had this done before. So there is some uncertainty, but based on his gut and how he felt and how refreshed he felt, I think it ends up being a positive where you could think at the end of last year, if he has to play all year, he might go, man, I'd have a year or two. Whereas now he's a little more refreshed. I think there's more energy there. So it might be three, four, five because oh, yeah. of that year off. You know, so uh, I think, you know, sometimes the worst thing in your life can end up being one of the best things. And um, I, I can testify that I got diagnosed with cancer. Nothing is was more devastating in my life than to hear that. I call it the dark days of diagnosis. However, it probably saved my life. So I can look at, you know, things like that that happen in life. And I'm sure people are listening to you. Can speak to that, so um, it might be one of the best things that happened to Ben at the right time in his career to give him even more on the back end.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe ends up extending his career. You touched on uh, your your cancer diagnosis. I know you uh, you had a battle there, uh, going at it with cancer, and then eventually now you're cancer free. And it kind of ties it into your uh, re-release of or second edition of your book, Find a Way. And uh, is that what launched into motivational speaking as well?
1: Um, actually it did. I I actually was sitting in the chemotherapy chair. Um, a good, a dear friend of mine, he was the director of what was called, well, my, the foundation, I'm the chairman of the caring place, which is a grieving center for families who have lost a loved one. I lost my mom as a young kid. So I understand the sting of death. I understand the turmoil I can send a family in. And we have a foundation in Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, um, Erie and the North Hills of Pittsburgh. So four centers in Western Pennsylvania to help families, and, um, when I was in my chemotherapy chair, um, the director of that foundation, Charlotte Valley, uh, I was sharing with him how find way has inspired me to live a dream originally. And man, they became the words that helped me try to fight to live and how the journey started when I was age 12. And I was just sharing with him a lot of the details of it. It became a parenting tool for me. Um, it, it really evolved in my life. And he's like, you need to write a book. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, he, we had a film crew on that day. And I really believe we were, I thought we were documenting just in case I don't make it. You know, I have stuff for my kids because we did like a bunch of interviews because I, in, I was in the chair for about 12 hours and things that my kids could reflect on that I was thinking about as they grew, if I didn't happen. I, I remember I turned to Charlie, I said, Charlie, I'll write that book if I survive, okay? I'm not worried about a book. If I survive, I'll write your book. <laughs> well, a year later. This is Charlie the This is the kind of man he called me up. He said, "Remember that promise you made." <laughs> he called you on it. Yeah, and I was like, "The no, Charlie, okay. I like. I, if, if I write a book, my, every teacher that I had in high school, or junior high, and college is gonna be like, How in the world <laughs> that dude write a book. Hodge like, is writing a book. Merrill <laughs> Hodge, like, the author. Like, okay. Hey, listen, everybody's listening. If I can write a book. That should give everybody hope. Okay, <laughs> you are well, confident I, I, that you have the ability to do something. Some
0: such of, of our listeners, but, I don't, I don't think they should be writing books, Merrill. But I, I appreciate I the, I appreciate the inspirational sentiment.
1: Well, I'm just, I'm just telling you this. Um, now, I, I write a second edition because, ironically, that book was written over ten years ago, roughly, and I never had my open heart surgery. When I mentioned um, Save my life, cancer Save my life, my last pet cat scan, which you do every six months for five years after you get done with treatment. So it's about a seven year window. At the last treatment I'm waiting, I got. I always had anxiety when you're waiting for that call. Okay, even though you're in your fifth year and you're like, what's the odds now? But they're like, there's always an odd need to give you. I have a saying, do you control your mind? Or does your mind control you? It is these things I've had in my life that I have learned how to control my mind because your mind can really run away from you if you want when you're sitting there waiting for a call to confirm or, you know, to say you're clean, you're positive or negative. So my doctor called up, he goes, Meryl, you're cured. And I I just, when he said that, I was like, you don't have to do that again. And then he throws a butt in there and I'm like, but what he's like, well, he goes, you know, your, your aorta looks a little enlarged. The Oh, you got no. reading the scans thought so y'all do get that uh, looked at. And so I don't even know where they aorta is. To be honest with you. I said, I go, what's your the aorta? And they go, that's your heart muscle. I'm like, Oh, what's, I've been working on my whole life. Of course my heart muscle is bigger than me. So I, I don't know what he's looking at. Right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to say
0: I don't got a swole yeah. heart muscle.
1: <laughs> so now, now I'm like, this guy, these guys don't even know what they're talking about. Whatever. Okay. So he's like, Oh, I want you to follow up on. So I follow up on it for two years. Once, okay, and nothing changed in it for two years. And really, what it was is it's almost like this it's like a bubble in the garden hose, okay? And the bubble in the lining of the wall of your AWOM, if it's the same thickness of the rest of your lining, it's really not, it's probably a birth defect. However, these are common. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger had this. Um, they have it a lot with power lifters, people who really push themselves too far and too hard. Well, if you had. I, so it's probably self-inflicted. So I probably I could tell you a dozen times that I. I remember one time in college I was running these repeat 400s, and they would check your pulse when you were done. And I was 225 one time. My, that that athletic trainer had me on. He's like, "Oh my gosh!" He goes, "We got to get, calm you down. You're 225." I'm like, I, I, it, "People who don't know, your maximum heart rate should be 220." <laughs> so, that, that, that's at a young age, okay? So, and I was not like 18, 19. But that being said. It was probably self-inflicted. But anyway, several years go by. um, Nothing really had changed in it. I kind of forgot about it. And my gut, one day, I mean, I've been working out. I do these intensity programs. And every time I got done with those, I I just, the weirdest feeling would come over me. And just, it it weighed on me so much. Eventually, I called my doctor. I said, hey, listen, I got to get out of that. I want to do a stress test. That's what I asked him. He's like, why? And I'm like, well, I haven't done it for like five years. And I do like to validate myself. I am not a normal guy. If I have something wrong with me, I go to the doctor. If I hurt something, I go to the doctor. If I gotta have a checkup, I go get it. I lived in the training room. Now I never missed a practice or never missed a game, but I wanted to take care of myself and I wanted to know what things I could do to make myself better. All the time, I've always been like that. So he goes, "Let's look at that aorta." And I was like, "Oh, that's a good idea." Long story short, they do the stress test, they do the echocardio on it. They send me to a specialist. I don't. i on board with all of that. I get to the specialist he, I must have had this smart aleck look on my face. He's like, you know why you're here? I go, yes. Cause I got the, I got a bigger a order than everybody else in the country. He's like, <laughs> yeah, well let's take a look at it. So he throws my screen up. I see my heart. He said, you see this red here. And I said, yeah, he goes, that's really good. He said, you see this blue and it was going another way. Right. He's like, your heart's leaking. He said, you see this line right here, this flat line. I said, yeah, he goes, that's really good. That's what we want. And then he said, see this line at the top? And there was a huge bubble in it. Right. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, that's not good. <laughs> he goes, that's probably, he goes, that's probably at about a, about a eight. He goes, you gotta get that fixed. I said, well, how do they do that? He said open heart surgery, I was like, man, I- I'm telling I said, I mean, I've already been told I had cancer. I just sat back in my chair and just went, no way. I was like, no way. And there's a different feeling. You know, when you you tell you have cancer, there's a uh, not articulate enough to describe it, but it was the darkest day of my life. And that proceeded for a couple of weeks because there was tests and exams and a whole host of things. The open heart thing was um, a a little different, but it was final. You know, like once you pick that date, because they wanted to admit me, let me go back to the other side. He's like, this is like two centimeters or two, whatever their numbers were beyond where we like, where we consider open emergency surgery. And I was like, well, I can't go, I ain't going in there today. I mean, my son had just went to BYU as a freshman to play football as a quarterback. I was gonna, and his first game was in Nebraska. I was gonna go see it. And I was gonna watch his first game. I go, I gotta talk to ESPN. I mean, season's about to start, blah, blah, blah. So I put it off for like seven weeks before I did it. Um, They told me I'd be out six weeks. I was out five days. Oh wow! Actually, uh, uh, Friday I got out of the hospital. I worked out uh, the following three days later. I flew to Canada to speak, which my doctor didn't know that. But I flew to Canada to speak, oh, man. and <laughs> he cl- he cleared me. He cleared me the, um four days later to go back to work. So I missed. I missed two weeks of work, but they said I probably missed six. And I was like, Joe, uh, I you know I had, let me go back to. There's, I asked the doctor, I go, well, how would you find that out? It, you know, I told him how they found it out. You know, they, with the pet cat, I was doing to see if I had cancer. It's a very detailed scan of your body. Most people never have to have that done. Most people don't do that unless you're looking for detailed things. So I said, well, how would you have found that out? He said, probably in your top. You're probably in your autopsy.
0: Oh, geez. I was Jeez. like,
1: yeah, he's like, he goes, that's a widow maker there. He goes, you don't find those out. And if they rupture. If you're lucky enough to be in front of a hospital and a person next to you knows exactly what's going on with you and knows exactly what to do, there's the only chance you got to survive. Yeah, you got it. So I was like, holy wow. cow. I was like, so you know, um, that's why I say, you know, cancer saved my life. I I'm probably not having this conversation with you guys if we don't if uh if I don't have cancer. Yeah. And that is a true medical I mean, that isn't the fact. That's amazing. That is that's I'm not I'm I'm not making that up. I'm not, you know, exaggerating a little bit. That is the honest facts. I'm I am probably
0: not here. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I, you know, on a much smaller scale, I had uh, I had skin cancer on my back. I had like a mole uh, that was melanoma. And the only reason I found it was freshman year. I I had gotten like a cough and Mm. uh, you know, I didn't think anything of it, but I I went and like you went to the doctor, got it checked out and the nurse was doing the stethoscope on my back and saw this mole. And this was, you know, Pennsylvania, January. So I, it, it must've happened previously from some sun exposure, Probably my senior trip to uh, Cancun <laughs> and just getting burned being an Irish guy, but yeah, like the fact that I got that cough and that cold and went mm, and got it looked yeah. looked at. She wow. found it.
2: Well, so what's um, the moral of the story? Go hey, to the doctor. Yeah, go to the doctor. <laughs> Please.
1: Now yeah. th- I'll say this to you. I try to tell people all the time. Here, here's the two greatest things that everybody has, no matter what you might be in fear of. Because I know nobody wants cancer. Nobody wants open heart surgery. Nobody wants to be sick. Nobody wants any type of virus or anything. I get that. But there are two things that you, you have at your disposal that if you use, the odds of you whipping everything that comes your way are significant. And that is first, investing in your health, staying in the best shape you could possibly be. That's you know how you eat, how you train, how you rest. And that is a vital component. We all have that responsibility. That's 100% on you. And you can't make excuses for it. And I understand everybody has different genetics, but there's still no reason to not invest in your health. So you do that, you're in an optimal shape. And then two is the earlier you diagnose something, the better chance you have of beating it. So, you know, that's why you go to the doctor. That's why you do exams. And that's why you follow up on that. You know what I mean? Don't, listen, you can be tough and smart, you know, you don't have to be t- tough and stupid, you know, being tough and smart is like, I'm going to be tough. And I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to make sure I'm okay. I'm going to make sure that I, you know, if I got something wrong, I'm we we'll to get it checked. Cause if it's something really bad. And we get it early. Versus late, the chances of me winning and beating it are significantly higher.
0: Yeah, early diagnosis is is huge, especially with the, that kind of stuff. Now, now you've kind of gotten into the uh, motivational speaking game. We're a we're a small business owner here. Got a got a small little crew. What would you, as a as a business owner, trying to inspire the employees a little bit? What would you say to an employee who had like a really daunting task? Say taping 130 episodes of a college football previews. He's hitting. He's hitting like the second half. He's uh, He's getting there, close to a hundred. Maybe hitting a wall. Needs a little inspiration, a pep talk. What would What would you say to that employee?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, he's probably on this call right now. So uh, correct. Gonna, <laughs> I, here's what I often do with people. Um, that where's your focus? If your focus is on oh my gosh, I still have 30 more to do. Um, That tears you down and that wears you down. And there's, there's no production in that. Whereas if you focus on how am I going to get the 30 done? I've created a plan. I I give you, I use, I like use sports a lot. There's, there's a quitters locker room and a losing locker room versus a champion locker room and a winning locker room. And if you go into the language is the same. Okay. And that, you look at a quitter's locker room, a losing locker room. You usually hear the you hear these things, not usually these are, this is what exists in that locker room. They point fingers they cast blame and they make excuses. So if you're in that environment and that is what you're doing, and that's the mixture that you're dealing with daily, you're going nowhere in life. That has never solved anything. That has never accomplished anything. That's a recipe for failure. Now, if you walk to a champion locker room, a winning locker room, the language is much different. First thing that any champion does, any winner does, successful people do—they first self-evaluate. They make that a priority. They self-evaluate. They make changes and corrections if they need to be made. They create a plan, and then they take action. And if you could take—and I go back to—do you control your mind? Does your mind control you? If you want to wander in a quitting locker room all day long, you, I can guarantee where you're going nowhere. If you go to the other locker room, and that is what you use daily in how you're trying to finish the next 30. And you're focused on that type of, uh, that type of action and creating a plan and uh, driving your energy and thought process to finishing versus I got 30 more, I got 30, you know, you got a great chance of finishing and be, and finishing strong. So you help people with the type of mindset they're creating. What are you focused on? What are you thinking about? Where's your energy going? What type of action do you have? And where are you, where are you sending that? You can pretty much tell you where you're going to go just by that. Yeah. Um, and the great thing about that, there's not a person that can't do that. That's a choice. you got a choice. What locker room do you want to step in? Sean, and which I was, locker room do you want to stay in?
2: Yeah, it's a great point. I had a shout out to Rich McGriff, high school track coach. He used to call it finish line fatigue. The second you start thinking about where you got to get to, you're not going to get there as fast. And, and yeah, I think Colby, that was some great motivational speech. You, you, <laughs> can do, you can do this. meryl has
0: got me ready to run through a brick wall. Merrill. You played for two hall of fame coaches, uh, Chuck Knoll and bill cower. Did did you kind of pick up that mindset from those coaches?
1: Well, I will tell you this um, Chuck Knoll. Um, I tell people all the time. I am a product product of a lot of people, people who have challenged me, people who have inspired me. Um, Chuck did both. He challenged me and inspired me. But Chuck, pro- Chuck challenged me. He gave me one of the greatest challenges I ever had that widened my scope, that changed my career. He took me from he d- he challenged me to do one thing that took me from being a, a a part of a team to a starter on a team for nearly a decade. And uh, it was actually the Friday before our first pra- our first game that I was going to ever play in in the National Football League it was against the San Francisco Forty ers and they were supposed to win the super bowl. They'd won it before. And they're supposed to win it again, Joe Montana and Jerry Rice are coming to town. So we were having, you know, this is going to be, a, they are measuring stick You know, what kind of team? Cause we were young, you know, all the Steelers and greats were gone aside from Mike Webster was still there, Donnie shell and uh, John Stallard, but you know, there wasn't the seventies. And we were, we were learning how to play a bunch of young guys. Um, by getting the whole one thing I know about Fridays that exist to this day in Friday's practice, when and you get to the team, that is really your script for Sunday. So the one thing you do not want to do is make mistakes. You want to be sharp. You want to you want to be clean, um, or they just don't put up with that. I mean, I've seen guys get cut by making the same mistake in the same day and get cut, and then they go away in a white van, and I never see them again. I'm like, I never going. I never want to go away in the white van because you never see those people again. <laughs> it almost, almost
0: sounds like a horse when they put it down. It's like, no, not the white <laughs> van,
1: All right? So and I get in the huddle and uh, they call a play and it's a pass play. So I'm going through my pro, my, my my assignment. I got to check linebacker, I run a flat route. And then obviously I'm like, you know, I hope the quarterback throws it to me. We always want the ball thrown to it. Snap the ball, linebacker drops, I run a flat route. Why ball goes to the other side of the field. Wide receiver catches and he's running. Whistle blows. Merrill, what are you doing? Okay, I've been in Pittsburgh four months, roughly. Um I don't know everything, I do know one thing. Chuck, no has never stopped to play and asks you what you're doing. If you're doing it right. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my. And so I'm thinking the linebacker may have blitzed, delayed. I go, that's not good, but he wasn't. I, I, I located him right away. I knew he had dropped in coverage. I'd run the right route. I've done a thousand times, but when he asked me what I was doing, the ball was on the other side of the field. I was just standing there. So I told him, well, nothing. He said, that's the problem. He said, I didn't keep you on this team to be a common football player. He said, I'm going to call somebody we just cut, bring them back here and do what you just did. He said, I'm going to do you one better. Sunday, I'm going to pull somebody else's stands and do what you just did. I didn't keep you on this team to be a common football player. I need you to be uncommon. Go help your buddy. Go over there and help him. How do you know if somebody doesn't hit him, hit fumble? You'd be there to recover for us. You can't do that standing there. Better yet, he breaks a tackle. You block the safety, we score a touchdown. You can't do that standing there. Go help him. Well, I got back to huddle. Um, I remember being humiliated, um, practice finishes, I go in my locker, and then I start really walking through what he did to me. Like, he didn't say, hey, Merrill, I need you to be 6'3", but you're one." He, he didn't say, I need you to be 250, but you're 210. He didn't say, right, I need you to be 4'4", but you're 4'6". He said, I need you to do more on every play than you're doing. Now I'm gonna back up before I leave the huddle. If you just said, Merrill, do you do everything possible on every play that you can? I'd have said, yes. And really from my perspective, I did. I thought he widened my scope to more that I should be doing and could be doing. that I really never ever looked at really, to be honest with you. And it changed my whole way I approached my craft. I looked at different ways to help every play. I, I can't even tell you, I would bore you guys to death, which I'm not going to do that. I could give you every game I ever played. There was one or two plays that were uncommon plays where I was going to the ball or going straight to some, because he challenged me. And I developed that habit that made a difference in a game or helped us win a game or made a difference in a drive because our I, height, I created that uncommon approach. Um, and I've, I've never forgot that. I, uh, I, I look at it in today, anybody can do that in their own craft. You just, sometimes you got to sit back. And look, okay. What more could I be doing here? And sometimes we don't want to hear it. You know, you get offensive, your ego goes like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. But if we sit back and go, well, I could do a little more here. I wonder, you know, how I could do that differently, you know, and be open to some guidance or counsel, a way to do things better and more to make it better. I just can help us you know, it changed my career. Um, It took me from being a a part of the team to a starter uh, for nearly a decade. And that habit alone changed everything,
2: Sean, I gotta be honest grateful
1: for that. I'm I'm going to
2: Merrill. That's great. That's I I love that. I'm going to steal the uncommon terminology for when I'm on the pitch with my youth soccer teams of coaching (laughs) coach, some girls. And I love that uncommon. Are you a common player or are you, do you want to be an uncommon player? I really, I really like that. I'm going to, I'm going to take that with me.
1: Let's say uh, you know you coach youth sports and young kids. Now, I'll give you another thing to get help. But see that would yes. be good because that helps maybe expand a child's vision of things. Now keep mind this is a parenting tool I've used my entire life. I made it a coaching tool. I used it at ages eight, nine, ten, all the way through youth sports, professional sports with a league I started with Mike Sherman. But it's really applicable in youth environment. All my coaches, I'm like, guys, we coach in the yardsticks of their years and not ours. It'll give us two things at all times, patience and perspective. So what I mean, when this child at 10 years old is struggling to understand or do something that we at 35 are telling that 10 to be, they're 10. You're 35. Yep. <laughs> See how that 10-year-old may look at this, okay? Forget you're 35. We know you see it differently. How does that 10-year-old see it? If we coach in AR6 of their years, not ours, we'll have patience and perspective. And it'll help us with the teaching. It'll help us with our communication. And guess what? It's going to take some frustration off you, okay? Because they're 10, okay? They're 11. They're 8. They're 7. However, And it's about them, and it's not about you. Yep. And if we do that in new sports, it just makes it... Uh, here's what the goal is. Don't you, don't you want your girls, your kids, your boy, whoever you're teaching, to love what they're doing and say, man, I love doing it. I like playing this sport. I mean, they have to be great at it, but they, as long as they get better at it and they love doing it and they enjoy doing it, that's what's so sad right now. We, we're taking kids out of sports and activities, and it is so vital that we get our kids moving and that they're part of activities, not just for the overall physical health, but the mental health of stuff, the growth that comes from that, Amen. the self-esteem and confidence, all yeah. the things that they're developed with sports that are so important. Yeah.
2: It sounds like I got to have a personal conversation <laughs> with Meryl about the coaching. Yeah, no, it's really it's it's a huge bummer at the current state. Like a lot of momentum kind of just got killed. And uh, yeah, no, but right. I I, lo- I love those messages. They they really are uh, hold true. I mean, and the saddest part is when you see coaches that just can't see that, and they just they make it such a horrible experience for the kids.
0: Well, yeah, and and I I coached uh, my brother's a uh, football team when,
2: Oh wow, here we go. <laughs> and you want it to get was, in on the party show. No, Sean?
0: no, I'm just saying it was it was an awesome experience. I think youth football is really important uh, for young men and yeah, it's it's kind of unfortunate. It does seem like there's a lot of a negative talk about football, especially for young kids. I mean, I played football you know from like sixth grade to eleventh grade, and uh you know I got my ass kicked and i i'm 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 doing fine, and I think it made me certainly a much better man well, and uh i I hope yeah. we can keep pushing forward with it. I know you're a big advocate for youth football
1: well and I encourage you to listen um to understand the facts you know people you know you get parents all the time you know, they always go, oh, I'll never let my, my kids play football. You know, I don't play on hockey or contact sports. I'm like, why? Oh, I don't want them to have CT there. I'm like, well, where did you, where'd you hear that at? Oh, I, like, I heard it on the news. I go, you heard on the news. I go, well, let me ask you this. Is your son or daughter ride a bike. Yes. Oh, they ride a bike. They wear a helmet. No. Okay. Time out here. <laughs> there's a greater chance of your son or daughter. If in wheeled sports, and this is a fact wheeled sports, there's a greater chance of death and tragedy and serious brain trauma without a helmet on there than playing contact sports with the environment that exists today. And I say the environment that exists today that should exist everywhere. You know, you should have um, protocols and the right equipment and the right instruction being taken place. And if it's not, then I would pull my kid out in any sport if it's not being done right that we've talked about. But when you look about our kids playing contact sports, you have to educate and inform yourself. And so the first thing that I try to share with parents is like, okay, let's just understand the development of the brain. 90% of our critical development is done by age five. Okay. So all of us by nine, by five years old, 90% of it has been critical development. Now the next 10% goes until age 25 if it's 25, which is a scientific fact, nobody can sit there and argue that. I mean, maybe a year here or there, but that's the area. Why is it okay if we're not fully developed to start playing at age 13 and 14, which leads me to, when I heard that come out of Boston university, I'm like, okay, they are one. Okay. We already know they're 100% full of crap. (laughs) Now they just made it a thousand percent full of crap because who has ever said that has no idea what they're talking about. Why would you now say it's okay at that age when something magically happens? And if you play if you've coached contact sports or sports period, you know something happens then. There's a thing called puberty that hits. A kid goes from one oh five to one sixty five in like six months. I've coached teams and everybody's in diapers and next year they're shaving. I'm sorry. And they're thirteen and fourteen. And the impacts are so much greater in all my years of coaching, youth sports from like 1991 to you know, when my, when my son go to high school um, there's a good 10, 15 years in there. Right. In the seven years I coached him, I only had two kids that I removed from games because they had a concussion. One was age 13 and one was age 14, nothing in. And when you think of the impacts that happened in those younger years, there's just not enough energy doesn't mean it couldn't happen. I mean, so you, can have that, you can have that happen on the trampoline or slipping. The leading cause of head trauma in the country, I think this is very important for everybody to hear, the leading cause of head trauma. There's some 37 million of these every year that, uh, that require um, um, medical attention. 37 million. In fact, it's not even a sport, and it's not even a car accident. It's tripping and falling. and the lead, And the biggest groups in there are Kids, fifteen and younger, and the elderly. Now that being said, people will go, "You can't say that. that's not." I'm like, I can't. Come know something <laughs> you need to know with the statistic before you start popping off and saying, "Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about," or you're un, you're uninformed and and you're, you're wrong. The denominator may be one of the most important numbers and part of the equation of a statistic. And if you don't know what a denominator is, people, well, I don't know statistics, so I don't know what that is. The denominator is the number at risk. Okay. or the number that could have been that played or at risk, depending on what category you want to look at. So when you look at tripping and falling, who's all at risk in the United States of America, everyone 320, exactly 328 million. You got 41 million that play in all of you sports combined. Versus 328 million, okay? So (laughs) that is the leading cause of head trauma. So if you're going to sit there and go, oh, I don't want my son or daughter to ever have a concussion, neither do I, by the way. Nobody wants their kids to get hurt. That is my priority to make it better and safer. However, wouldn't you rather be educated and informed and empowered that if your son or daughter do have an accident, they do have some type of head trauma, that you do the right thing for them? Yeah. which there are treatments and protocols and care that we follow now that allow our kids to be properly cared for and treated. I'll give you a couple of websites too, for parents It's really good for parents to empower themselves so that they know how to care for them. Even if it's on the trampoline in the backyard and they, or they slip in the shower could happen. Rethinkconcussions.com. It's a great website for people to be informed on a, what to do if you, if you have head trauma, where to go get help, the type of help, they get, the treatment that's available. My son, I told you, he played uh, college football at BYU. Knew he was quarterback. First freshman game, four days, they're playing in the Las Vegas Bowl, slips in the shower, and gets a concussion. He is ineligible. Just because it didn't happen on the football field, he is ineligible. It is four days before his first game, and he oh, can't no. play. And he slips in a freaking shower, the most athletic <laughs> kid I, I was like, I, 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 I remember thinking, I'm like, when he called me, I'm like, you did what now <laughs> I and mean, not everybody, and listen that's a dorm room shower too, so everybody who ever lived in a dorm room or did a shower in a dorm room you know they are not i mean there's a risk there yeah. us off. <laughs> the I concussion's
0: mean, probably best case scenario
1: <laughs> you're, you're exactly right, so that being said, um, to sit there and sit there and go, "I don't want that to happen, well, let's just make sure that you understand where it could happen first before you say that, and if you and I listen. If I thought for one second, you know, as I did all my research for my book Brainwashed, if I had found out it's a 50-50 shot that you could get CT, you know, or this is gonna cause cognitive issues later in life, I'd have pulled my son out of out of football and that'd been his freshman year in college, out of rippy mouth. I found nothing that says you're gonna have cognitive issues later in life. But those aces I told you about, a mountain of evidence blow you away all of the things that our kids are going through that we're ignoring and that but, we're blaming something else that we had no scientific facts for. And, and I'm backed abs- it by the science, not, not, not some um, article. In fact, I had a guy in the media argue with me um, over it. Now he never read any scientific literature. You know what, you know what this complete incompetent fool gave me to, that he claimed was science. He gave me a sports illustrated article and I'm not lying to you. There's your media. There is your so-called just citing themselves. That's what he said. First of all, he went and got a Sports Illustrated article saying it's a scientific journal. Okay, anybody (laughs) who's in the journal who's doing and giving you that information, they don't even know what the scientific journal is. They say it's Sports Illustrated. Kate Upton's never been on the cover of a
0: scientific journal. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. But you know what? So my my goal with really is parents is to help inform and educate them. I'm not telling you to let your kids play sports, uh, play contact sports. I'm asking you just to open your mind and look at all the facts. If you're going to rob your child of something they really want to do, i I'd like my son. I'm like, I would have, to have robbed him of playing football. I'd have robbed him of really developing because it helped him in so many ways as, as a leader and the person that he is to this day. And sports does that for so many kids when they're taught, right? We've already talked about that. But educate yourself, inform yourself, and if you sit there and people at Boston University will tell you, okay, the brain jiggles, that is 100% garbage. In fact, anybody who says the brain is jiggling, they know nothing about brain. You better run like crazy and red flags better fly because if anybody is telling you that, they have never spent any time cutting brains or an autopsy looking at how a brain is pulled apart. I have. And that is when I used to hear, I used to hear the brain jiggles all the time. I'm a part, I'm with Dr. Cummings, who helped me write my book, who's a three board certified forensic professor. We're cutting brains. I'm cutting his, let me back up. You probably heard all oh, the he Kid had suicide, committed suicide. He had a brain of an 80 year old. Yes. Well, I'm okay. So uh, there's a brain. We got five brains sitting on the table. Okay. I know it sounds eerie. I'm sitting there. The only difference is they remind me of mushrooms. Like They're not all the same, but they all look the same, right? You know, the coloring and everything, the size and shape were were, the sizes were different. The coloring, very similar, but they weren't all identical, identical, but they they range from 36 to 101. Now I'm going to tell you this. I'm like, well, which one's 101? You should be able to tell 101. If I put a 101 year old face right here and a 36 year old face here, you would clearly know the difference. So that's what they tell you. That's how they, in the media, that's how they present it to you. Right? He's like, there's no such thing. He goes, the ball of the brains really kind of look the same size and shape, maybe a little different. So I start cutting on the smallest one. I, ironically, it's the one that's 101 years old. I ask Dr. Cummings, I go, how would you know how old that is? So he's like, oh, the secret? The birth certificate, the date of birth. I'm like, oh my gosh. I go, so there's no, he goes, no. I mean, whoever presents that in the media is absolutely, completely lost or they're trying to scare you. So anyway, as I'm cutting through the brain, there's a certain level of am spacing. I do it. About my third cut, he goes, oh, my gosh, she had a stroke. I was like, what? How do you know that? And then he walked through this whole thing. But anyway, what I'm getting at, when I went through how our brains, the secure of our, our brain is sitting in our, in our skull, it's wrapped in dura, so it's secured down. Then it has plasticity, which is kind of like an, an insulation, if you will, and another protective. And then we really have muscles around our our skull and our brain too to play. And then the bone structure. It is the most protected organ that we have. Can it get jarred by a massive hit? Absolutely. Is it jiggling around when your kids are playing? Absolutely not. That means if you if that were the case, you couldn't do a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Do some pillow fights. There's trampoline. Greater. There's greater there's, don't even go to a trampoline. You're doomed. <laughs> I mean pillow fights, and you look at the G forces in a pillow fight.
0: Yeah, that's probably more Austin than like a pee more, Wee football player. More.
1: Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. I watch my grandkids five, six, and seven run a hundred miles an hour across the living room and throw themselves into the couches, <laughs> and I'm like, holy! Leading with their head, Boston, gotta get that out of the Boston game. U- <laughs> I mean, Boston University sees this. I mean, what what kind of study they done? On that. They are they are corrupt. Boston University is the most corrupt that's the CT center there. And Ann McKee is one of the most corrupt individuals out there. seen. she has abused the Hippocratic Oath in the most grotesque manners. In fact, it was one of the pieces of now, this she done this over and over again, but the, the piece of literature that sent me over the board as I went through the United States, everybody in this country I could talk to who had high integrity, great credentials. And would speak to me and just give me the truth, I spoke to. It even took me up into Canada. And there was a lady that suggested, I read the first scientific paper which I end up reading, which is the Spectrum of Disease paper, written and authored by Ann McKee. Dr. Ann McKee, by the way. In the conclusion, it states, you cannot use this scientific article or literature to give any sense of degree of ct to professional players or military. Now, the reason it says that is because the methodology, which you have to know how they went about it, which I'm not going to get into that it's too, too complicated. It's just, it's actually, if you did this in high school and you did it for your senior paper, they'd flunk you because they're like, you can't even this is garbage. You have no baseline and you're making stuff up. That's how, honestly, that's how bad it was. Right. But in the conclusion, that's how they cover their backs. They're like, you, you can't use this. Cause it's 100% garbage. You can't use that to give anybody any sense of degree of the disease. That's what it says. It's written in there. It also starts, uh, mentions if things can be replicated and duplicated, what they have done, it even says in there, well, this is the only truth of the whole paper, we might have something, and that's that's right. Not that we have something; we might have something because that's what happens in science. Let's say you guys do some research. Now it's the other scientists, researchers' obligation to try to replicate and duplicate what you did. If we come up with something very similar, well, sure, we're on our way. Now we could, but we keep doing it. We keep doing. What we keep doing. If I find the opposite of what you find we got a problem. Okay. In this paper alone, in this study alone, nine other institutions from the Mayo Clinic, Vanderbilt, um, Wisconsin heart, you name it. Great scientific devi- environments. None of them could replicate and duplicate. It. In fact, they found the complete opposite. One study was that the band members had greater chance of so-called CT later in life than did anybody who played contact sports to man. <laughs> Well, exactly. Don't even go to the band. I mean, the danger, you level up, which goes back to all you got to do is in the medical journals. And this is a fact too, because this is what led to this paper. One, third of the, of the, the, the people who have this pattern and keep in mind, that's what they call it. They call it a pattern in an observation state. This is the scientific definition of it. It's a pattern in an observation state. They don't know what causes it and they don't know what it causes, but a third never played sports never had a concussion, and never had a history of head trauma. Some of them are ages three and six years old. So you clearly can't play and blame any type of um, long, I mean, life abuse you run on them to cause it. So a third, a third existed. So go back to the paper. I read the paper, and then the headlines in the media from that paper, Ann was asked about that paper. They go, what do you, what do you think after doing that research? Quote, This is what she tells the media. After doing that research, with the amount of CT we found, I got to believe all NFL players have this. Excuse me, all football players have this. There cannot be a more grotesque lie and abuse and a misuse of science than to say that from somebody who signed a Hippocratic code. Now, let's go to the journalist perspective. Why in the world, if you are a good journalist, I'm going to consider you, even say you're a journalist and not do this, you're not a journalist. You're just somebody who has a pen and you're writing. You go to the paper, you read that paper, and you're like, huh. This doesn't exactly what That's, that's all your paper. I come back to Anne, and your paper says the opposite. Why would you say that? Wasn't done. Never done that. Nobody has. But so they, what they, their headline is um, landmark study. Every football. That, that, there, there's your headline. That goes yeah. on the evening news. That gets out there. And that's what mom and dad see. Yeah, and I was like, when I read that, okay, that's that's one of many. And Mickey, I don't know how the the people at Boston University or the CT, especially Amki, get up and look in the mirror every day, one hundred percent full of crap. Now they use people that are suspecting to have CT, and here's their symptoms: they're depressed, all de- all things that people are on depression and anxiety. <laughs> I'm like, oh my, God. I know <laughs> a lot of depressed people kid. who
0: never played football. Right,
1: <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? Um, and actually, it's really not funny, but the irony. I've had five people that are in my, I would consider my inner circle. They're, they're older, all of them. Like one guy just passed away from um, He just, he spiraled fast. Once he got diagnosed with dementia, A dear friend of mine golfers for years or the sunset dementia, none played sports, They never played sport. They were, but here are things that you have to account for in any When you think about Hell, you have to look at genetics, and you have to look at age, and you have to look at lifestyle. If you ignore those three things, which, by the way, were completely ignored in every study they have ever done, to do that is grotesque incompetence. And then it's abuse, and it's harmful to people. It's deplorable in so many ways because you do harm to people because you scare them versus inform them and in, and empower them. That's why I wrote really the book is to give you all the scientific facts. And I encourage people, be skeptical of me. Go ahead and do the research. Go ahead and look for it. Go ahead and do it. all the stuff that I'm telling you just out there. go look for it. You'll find it. Yeah. When yeah. I wrote that book, I, I actually used all of their scientific literature. I used all of the information. It isn't like Dr. Cummings and I created some papers and then we're or it's ours versus theirs. I used their stuff. I explained to you what the real facts were. I show you about all the other literature that has been done to try to replicate and duplicate, which none can be done. And I put in the book plus give you all the information that you should know for your kids and the environment you are putting them into and what you should do. And if, most importantly, if they do have head trauma, how do you care for it? What, can yeah, what you do, do, for do you do? It? Yeah. Well, and it sounds so like many, I, I, I,
0: Oh sorry, I was just going to say cut-
1: I mean, Bo had that, but when bite got that slip in the shower, well, he ended up getting uh, having a, a concussion a, a year later, And just a long story, really, really short. He really never recovered from the one when he slipped in the shower, and, and he'd always kind of explained he'd always kind of talk about symptoms, but I'm telling you they were all about allergy type symptoms, right? It was very confusing because we took him to get I took him to everywhere to, to get looked at and evaluated. And it wasn't until he played Wisconsin. Uh, they came into town. He took a hit there. Long story short, ended up taking him to UPMC in Pittsburgh, the Mickey Collins. And they identified where he had been concussed. And here's what they do now: They identify where the trauma is, and then they create a cognitive and a physical rehab plan to repair you. It's just like, and here, here's how it's advanced. You guys, I don't know how old you are, but do you remember when they used to do knee surgeries and you have a zipper and a cast, and you'd be lucky if you walk? Oh here? yeah. Yep. Okay. Now they have four holes and you're walking the next day in rehab and okay. That's where rehab is now with concussions is that they're finding that. So in 10 days, I'm telling you in 10 days, I remember my brother, whose son I talked about Tristan played at Notre Dame. Now he's at BYU. He called me up. He said, I saw a cause he lives closer to Provo. And he said, man, he looks awesome. And I ended up talking to Bo that day and I could hear the clarity in his voice. I'm like, Holy cow, boy, I haven't heard that voice in a year. And it just, it was, it was really empowering to me because see my career ended and I had no treatment. There was nothing other than, Hey, I, they gave me a two year window to recover. That's what they gave me. And that's in 1994. Today, things have changed and parents need to know about all of the ways to help. And even if you, and it's not from sports, it could be from accidents. It could be flipped, slipping, falling, any type of head trauma. You can have ways to help repair that and recover from it. Doesn't mean head trauma is not going to cause symptoms and you're not going to have symptoms. They can be dealt with and should be dealt with. And too many times people, they don't even know you can do that. They ignore it or they start going worse. They start going, oh, I got this now, this brain disease, which is absolutely untrue. Yep. So the book is to help empower people too with really all the facts of treatment and care too that are available.
0: Make sure you check that out, Brainwashed, uh, available on Amazon as well as Find a Way. Merrill, appreciate your time. Before we let you go, just uh, why don't you throw out a couple things you're excited to see in this 2020 NFL season?
1: Well, I'm just actually excited to see just how teams how how well how well they play with you know not having preseason um, but having a little bigger window to get ready. Um, I think Tampa. I know everybody's focused there because of Brady, but see Tom Moore. That guy, you may, you may not hear that name, may not know that name. Tom Moore was my offensive coordinator when I first got into the National Football League. He's one of the greatest minds in football I've ever met or ever known. He orchestrated Peyton Manning's career. When you look at Bruce Arians, who I know very well too, um, Leftwich, who's their quarterback coach there, just a combination of minds in that room. And you know, people were talking about, oh, Tom Brady, he doesn't fit Bruce Arians' system. I'm like, okay, time out. If you are talking like that, you do you have no concept of what's going to take place here. Nobody's walking in there. It's going to be a dictatorship. This is a collaborative effort. You think for a second, no matter how many Super Bowls I had won or how long I'd coached, if I get Tom Brady in my office, I'm saying, "Hey, what do you like? What do you like doing? I'm going to lean on you by 20 years of experience, and you're inside those white lines. I better make you feel comfortable." And it's funny, I just happened to see Bruce Arians talk the other day. First word out of his mouth, well, when we collaborated the first word he said, I was like, so I'm just interested to see how that all comes together and then that's that's an interesting one too, just because of the lack of work they're able to do you know that that that's probably going to play a factor how big a factor i I don't know, um, but it'll be interesting to kind of watch that
0: well uh, uh, Merrill appreciate your time and uh, yeah, make sure you check out his books so I got but, some reading to do Sean. yeah exactly. Got, Got some stuff to catch up on and uh give him a follow on twitter at Merrill hodge check out Merrill Hodge.com. Merrill appreciate the time and uh yeah enjoy your week
1: my pleasure good being you guys man. all the best to you
0: man so much we so much ground we covered with the great Merrill hodge and uh as we close things out, make sure to check out Ace Per Head. Sports are back, baby! If you haven't heard, sports are back in a big way. Perfect time to become your own sportsbook. Launch your mm. own sportsbook. Become a small business owner. Challenge yourself yep. to be great. Don't be, don't be the common man who just bets at a, a sportsbook. Be uncommon and start your own sportsbook at AcePerHead.com/sgp. That's ace slash SGP. Use that link and get up to six weeks free. Again, Ace sets you up. They give you the all-inclusive professional betting site. All the lines updated the second wagers graded immediately. Top-notch customer support. Hell yeah. Some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Live betting and an amazing mobile experience. Ace has you covered aceperhead.com slash SGP.
2: Sean, am I allowed to sprinkle a little on to the end of that read? Yeah, go for Cause it. Because you know I like to, to tout the partners. Uh, if you are a big time Formula One fan like Ryan Real Money Kramer has turned into, and you're maybe a guy who has a shop and has some F1 customers, lots of opportunity to wager <laughs> on things in, in, in the old Formula One space over on Ace. So Ice. if you're looking to start that business and, and Formula One's the way to go, I told this to I'll d- take Andretti. Did you know Colby? Number two watch sport wow. in the world.
3: That makes sense. I've been I told you I've been to like ten of those races,
2: man. They're they're a good time. Well, you've never have you been to a Formula One race I have. or just like an IndyCar car race? Uh what what is the
3: Long Beach Grand Prix?
2: Isn't that, that Formula? That, that's not Formula One. That's, uh, no, that's Formula One's like it, basically the Formula One drivers call the NASCAR like that's like driving a, a cement box like that it's oh. it's it's a different level. Well, look, I drink a lot of I alcohol. Understand. I watch I inter- cars go well, at really fast speeds listen, and we, I have we, a lot of fun with that. It would be silly if we were all highbrow. <laughs> so, some of us have <laughs> to dip to the lower. Re- anyway, Sean, you were yes. saying aceperhead.com.
0: slash Ace sgp check them out. And uh yeah, my bookie.ag promo code sgp get that 100% deposit bonus. Stop sitting on the sidelines. What are you waiting for? Subscribe to the new NBA gambling podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever great podcasts are found. Subscribe to the new soccer gambling podcast feed, again, wherever great podcasts are found. And make sure you finish strong with Colby Dant,
2: Patty C, the college experience. And Sean, people are probably wondering, well, what about the sports gambling podcast network feed? Yes. What about it? Well, I mean, obviously, Three Dog Thursday, that's not going anywhere. That's not going anywhere. I did the, that. I did that show from the bank the other day. That was beautiful. It was the, great. The, the the fight show with Billy Bahati breaking down all the all the main UFC cards and, and big boxing. That's still going to stay. And, and we are announcing a new show. You'll probably hear a trailer for this if you listen to the other sports gambling podcast shows, sports gambling podcast network shows. But bout that action, Sean. There yeah. we go. Uh, I, that's all I'm going to say right now. So make <laughs> sure you subscribe to the sports gambling. Podcast network feed. We're dropping a new show. Uh, I'm excited for this one. We got some guys in the industry talking shop in the sports industry. You know what I'm excited talk and for? Talking shop. I'm excited to get my
3: book, "Brainwashed: the oh, Bad Science well, okay. Behind so CT. So that was the end of, the of my plug. To destroy
2: football. I see what you're doing there. Kobe's going to be on up. my sports gambling uh, podcast network plug. <laughs> but yes, you should also get that book because, you, as you know, if you're a listener of the show, Uh, by the time you're listening to this, I will be off the grid, getting ready to just completely immerse into nature. And I was originally going to read football outsiders, Warren sharp prep for the NFL season. But now I'm wondering if I need to get my read on about the brain injury and brainwashed
3: the bad science behind CTE and plot to destroy football by Merrill Hodge. Check it out. Great read. Check that.
0: Uh, I assume it's a great read. I he got it coming it, in the I mail. Mean, I got it coming in
3: the mail. Right now. Meryl Hodge was talking about
0: actually handling brains. I, I, I tried to get it in, but I was like much like uh, Chuck Knoll yelling at you to go the extra mile and, and those extra effort plays those uncommon plays. He appears to have that same approach when it comes to research and uh, shoving uh, bad junk CTE yeah. science into a locker. Yeah, so kudos, Meryl,
2: definitely a guy who has leveraged the locker to uh, prove <laughs> a point. <laughs> Uh, Yes. Let's, let's get out of here, Sean. Some of us got stuff to do.
0: Thank you for participating in the sports gambling podcast and for the sports Gambling podcast. I'm Sean stacking the money green and he is Ryan.
2: By the time you're listening to this, you should have already followed Kramer centric on Instagram, but I have (laughs) dropped the eighth, the eighth picture, which is pretty magical. Pretty magical. So is that with the iPhone too? Please enjoy. That's
3: impressive Kramer.
2: Let it ride.